to you about love, unity, and humility. Write that down if you want in your, your bulletin. And turn in Philippians, the second chapter, and we're going to pick up that thought there as we look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again. The opportunity we have to open your eternal word. And we thank you, Father, for t speaking to us for the many times you have, guiding us into bringing the thoughts that will help your people be the people you want them to be. So, Lord, as it leaves my mouth and enters their ears and their mind, I want you to anoint it so that the word of God gets the glory for whatever's accomplished in the morning service. So bless in every way we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read quite a bit here of Scripture in Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to read the first 12 verses of that. Um, that's quite a long uh, reading, but bear with me. I'll probably be half done with the message time I get that all read. So, uh, In Philippians 2, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who thought it, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, that and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, only in my, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many of you in here today are using a Thompson chain reference King James Bible? Just one, two, three? Okay, that's good. Um, it, I'm not advocating or anything else. That's what I'm using. And in that, if you look under where it says chapter 2, in that it'll say, love, unity, and humility recommended. And out in the side margin, it says exhortation to love, unity, and humility. That's where I got my thought early in the week as to what I thought God would have me to speak on um, this uh, Sunday morning. So I was studying early in the week. Those three title words seemingly 
jumped off the page and into my mind and I've been meditating on them while I'm changing oil and spark plugs and sharpening blades and whatever else I've been doing all week. Uh, splitting firewood, it doesn't matter. But I've always kind of focused from early in the week on those things and kind of want to bring you into the portion of this scripture so that we can get the full juice out of what Paul was saying here in this particular time. So when I read that portion of scripture, I thought to myself, self? You ever talk to yourself like that? First self, how did Paul understand these three titles of love, unity, and humility? And what difference did it make in his life? Well, in your mind, you can go back into the writings of Paul and even in the history of the, uh, Acts, the book of Acts and, and, those things, and see that Paul had a definite change in his life. And those three titles probably are something that he could have preached on at a, the drop of a hat to help get him uh, where he needed to be as the apostle that God was using him to be. Second of all, I said, self I was talking to me. What difference did these three things or these three titles make in the life of Jesus Christ? And then thirdly, I thought, self? That's when I was talking to dude. What do these three titles do for me in my current life? And do I use them to make myself a better Christian a better friend, a better neighbor, a better grandpa, a better dad, and a better husband. Those things should impact our lives when we think about the character we want to portray and have others think of us as those titles. So after these three titles in the forefront of my mind all week, I tried just to go through the week and see if they would have any impact in my life even before I spoke on it today. But before I bore you with all the rerun recording of my week of love, unity, and humility... I want to speak on these three titles as if they were as important to you as they were to Jesus, to Paul, and Pastor Dude. When you write those three things down, they should have some impact in your life. Okay, now then, how many of you at home have a mantle or a shelf or a curio cabinet or some kind of display somewhere with all your trophies in it, with all your awards, with all the things that this world um, has given you a pat on the back for. Well, I don't know what they are. Some of them, the mostly what they would have is not necessarily a trophy or an award, but uh, these are the things that I want you to see that... Um, when they come into your house, you give them a place and you call that place home and you want everybody to see them when you come in. Now, for most of you that are grandmothers or mothers, 
those are represented on those shelves or mantles by pictures of the children and grandchildren. I don't know about you, I've got a whole karaoke cabinet full of pictures of the kids. That's not enough. We've got them on the mantle. They're on every end table. They're on a ladder. She's got a ladder that's got shelves on it from the floor to the ceiling with pictures of grandchildren. There are not many of me. I got a, there's a couple in there, but you know, but they show her parents, my parents, our family, our kids, and everybody else. Um, that's her trophies. She thinks that's what she's earned. And in that, she can relate to that. And one of the things she relates to that the most is love, unity, and humbleness. Amen? I'd venture to say, in your house, you probably have some of the same things, and they've been there for generations, and if you uh, wanted to know what's going on, and you wanted to come into the house, and everybody was bored, and nobody wanted to talk, you ever been at a place where you just sat down and nobody wanted to talk? All you have to do in our house is say, Bonnie, who's that? And off she would go. Amen. She would go all the way down the ladder, cover every table, go to the curio cabinet, and you'd know everything about Bonnie and all the generations that she's touched over the years. Well, all those trophies you decorate your home with and all those world's accomplishments, um, they may mean something to you, but let me think about the trophy in your spirit. Do you have any trophies in your spirit? Well, these three titles that I'm speaking of can be on display in the trophy case of your life. Amen? In your life, you probably don't worry about uh, the cases at home or on the mantle or on the shelf because even if you do have trophies there, not very many people come around that often anymore to see them. But if you have love, unity, and humility on your shelves of your life on display, everybody's going to know it. Amen? For anyone to say about you that display any of these trophies in your life, that life and those trophies are a high honor. But if I see all of these three in you, then now we're the elite class of purpose of persons with very few others. There's just not that many people that when you look at them, you see those three things in their life on display. But on the other hand, in our society, they're so rare that if you display them, everybody's probably going to notice it. Amen? They'll be in plain sight, even though a lot of people won't recognize them. They'll just think you're weird or odd or different. Uh, you don't really know what's going on around you. Well, here in our text, Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
And he thought these three trophies need to be set in the forefront of our thinking as we become God's trophy cabinet. Amen? He calls this in the scripture, he calls it us his temple where he wants to live in our hearts and life. So now let's go back in verse 1. Let's look, and of course it starts out with the word if. What's that mean? That's one of our study words. You know how fortunate Faith Christian Fellowship people are to know the four study words? I don't know anywhere else where I've ever heard anybody use those four words and stop and say, oh, by the way, that's one of our study words. Do they ever, the four of them, if, but, for, or wherefore, therefore, does any of you ever read your Bible and see that word and say, huh, i got to stop, that's one of my study words. Of course you do, because I yell at it all the time. I keep it in front of your mind. So when you see those things, you realize those four words all have a reflection on the context in which they are printed. So you need to sometimes stop and reconsider. Now, what did I just, where am I at and where are we going? And because those four study words will keep you focused in context. And if there's one thing anybody needs to know about Scripture, it's all Scripture needs to be left in its context. Amen? And we heard Brother Steve talking about a lady in Claremont County, and I don't even know the situation, but she said something a long time ago that she apologized for, and they're still trying to crucify her over the statement she made. Amen? Well, in our lives, if we'd get to those study words and keep things in context, we wouldn't even have worried about what she said 15, 20 years ago because it was taken out of context anyway. And you're still trying to crucify her over it. So here we have, it starts out in verse 1, if, that's the conditional word we have, and it appears, if you would, in this particular verse, four times. Did you notice that in verse 1? The word ifs there four times? Huh, must have some impact into that. Well, we're going to find out about it and find out what they are in the context. Um, number one, it says, if there's any consolation in Christ. Then it says, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, and any bowels of mercy. Now, we don't use the word bowels and mercies anymore. And if you've got a King James Bible, the side margin there explains that in a different way, and it calls them tender mercies and compassions. Um, so uh, if you're thinking about bowels, you know, don't dismiss what you think in 2022 about that and go with uh, what they said in the context where Paul wrote this. Amen? But he's talking about some things you need to understand. And all of these are cousins or relatives or pointing towards the three title words we are using. Love, unity, and humbleness. Now, we don't use these words the way uh, other people do in a lot of cases. But when he talks about your bowels or your mercies, he's talking there about your heart, your center of affection. That's what that word actually means in the Bible times. So uh, it's all about what drives you. You know the main thing that drives you is what you love. Amen? Did you know that? You, you'll follow the things you love without even thinking about it. Amen? Amen. You go to a smorgasbord. What are you going to eat? 
You're going to eat the things you love. The things you don't care for, you just walk on by that. There's plenty of things you should like at a smorgasbord. That's why you laid down your money when you went in. Pick up a plate and get all you want of whatever you like. Amen? And if you're um, a little bit on the challenging side, you can try some things you might think, I don't even care for that. Well, let me just try it. Maybe I will like it if I try it. Hey, you never know. There might be a new love on the smorgasbord if you just give it a chance. Amen? So here in verse number one, we need to understand what he's talking about here. Is there any consolation in Christ? What do you mean by consolation? Do you know what consolation means? I looked it up from the biblical standpoint, and it means solace or comfort. And it refers to having peace in your spirit. Do you know your heart and your life is probably in more turmoil than it should be if you would just give your life to Christ. That peace comes in Jesus Christ coming in you. We just sang about the eye of the storm. Amen? When everything else is going wrong, Jesus can give you that peace. Amen? So uh, we just need to take note in this that in the first one he says, if there's any comfort, oh, I'm sorry, if there's any consolation in Christ. Then he adds the next three I told you about, but he doesn't add to them the term in Christ with all four of them, just the first one. But guess what? If you leave it in context, these other three things that he's going to add, leading us to love, unity, and humility, they all come in Christ, just like consolation does. Amen? So that's what we need to understand when we read these things. We have the comfort and quietness we need in Christ. Amen? So all the other things we read about there um, in those things that, that he sends, fellowship of the Spirit and the vows of mercy and the comfort of love, those all come in Christ. Amen? So there's a saying that I've heard for a long time, mockery is the best form of flattery. Amen? So you know what? When we have these things in our lives, love, unity, and uh, humility, other people are going to notice them and try to mock them. And that's what Paul was saying to the Philippian people here in verse number 2. When Paul says to them, fulfill ye, who's ye there? Well, all the Philippians he's writing to and all of us, because we're reading the same thing they read. Fulfill ye my joy. How are they going to fulfill his joy? In other words, he says um, on down that ye, ye again, be like-minded. Think on that. The same things that Paul was saying he wants in his trophy case, we should have in our trophy case. The same things he admired in those Philippians that were in Christ should be admired in you and me in 2022 when we're in Christ. The same love, the same being of one accord and one mind, and that mind being Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse number 2. 
So as we're following along and staying in context here, he's keeping us in track so we'll know where we need to be. Amen? How do I know this one mind is the mind of Christ? Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but, uh-oh, another study word. Now, on the other hand, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's a great picture of humility. Amen? That's where it all comes to pass is when you want to stand in the shadows and let somebody else, if you would, take the credit for what's being done or what's being said, even though um, God is the one that gets the ultimate credit. Amen? So where can we go and see this picture of love, unity, and humility? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's found in the mind of Christ and in verse number five. Let, a, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He set the example. His mind or his pattern of thinking or his understanding or his walk in his life displayed the trophies of love, unity, and humility that you and I need to pick up on and be just like he was. Amen? Amen. Your and my greatest achievement will be to duplicate our lives by following the mind of Christ. Amen? You might say, well, Jesus was God in the flesh. He had, he had so much more understanding. He had everything together. He was, you know... He never sinned, he never messed up, he never nothing. Well, that's true. And I'm, I want you to know that I am just flesh. But in verse 6 is where Jesus' display of his trophies, we need to display also by having the same mind of Christ, of love, unity, and humility. Being God, the scripture says, he thought it robbery. Hmm. He was a man. And he didn't use his deity to promote himself. Did you know that? You know, of all the miracles Jesus did, I can't find one he did for himself. Huh. Man. I can tell you. Now, there, there's a crazy movie out, and I, I have seen parts of it as I was rolling with my remote, and I don't remember what the name of it is, but that uh, goofy guy... Uh, thinks he's God, or what is the name of it? The, the black fellow is, is God in reality. Jo, yeah, Morgan Freeman, and then the goofy guy that was Elf. Who? Yeah, all right, and he thinks he's God. Guess what he used it for? Hey, man, you watched the movie. He lassoed the moon and pulled it in closer to get a girlfriend. Amen? Uh, yeah, well, that, he used it for his own gain. I'm sure uh, he got in a traffic jam, and he sparked out like he was God, and every car in the street went, yep. and he went right down the middle of the street, wide open throttle. Amen? Well, a lot of people, if they were God, would do the same thing. Amen? I even had a guy that I would go and visit in the nursing home 
quite a bit. I haven't visited him for a while. don't even know if he's still alive or not. I assume he is because I haven't heard from the family. But every time I'd visit him, I'd say, is there anything I can do for you? Anything I can help you with? Yep, you can give me a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Well, come on. You've got to have more in life than that because I have heard the statistics of people that win lottery tickets and about 90% of them after they win them are bankrupt in about three years. So I don't think I really want to be in that category. But here we think of God in the flesh, and yet we're not God in the flesh, but we can have God in our flesh. When we're born again, we become the temple of God, and he dwells in us and walks in us that we might be what we should be for him. But when we talk about Jesus here in this particular scripture in verse 8, he being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself. Huh, you know why? Naturally, a man doesn't want to be humble. A man wants to be proud. And I can say that for women too. Amen, it doesn't have to be man only. But everybody wants somebody to recognize who they are and acknowledge them. Well, that's not sometimes the best um, hum humility that we want to display. Amen. So when we see in uh, verse 7 and 8 here that he made himself a no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Jesus was glad to be a servant. Did you know that? He didn't want to be the big wheel. He, when the opportunities came for him to teach in the temple, he did. You know what he taught? You need to be a servant. Amen? He didn't say, you need to be like me and be as proud as I am. And Oh, no, he didn't do that. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus didn't brag. You can't find him bragging. Now, he got upset from time to time, and he had to straighten some things out. But he lived as our example and did it as a servant to model for us the fact that we need to be servants just like he was. And since Jesus lived as a servant, so can we live as the purpose, person God wants us to be in love, unity, and humility. Amen? To tell you the truth about the humility of Christ, it's harder for me, it's harder for him than it is for you and me. Because he was God and we are not. Yet, we see people that think the world revolves around them. They're very important and you're nobody. Amen. But reality is, they're not as important as they think they are. That's not humility. Even as a man and as a servant, verse number 8 said, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Amen. That's easy, isn't it? Because we're all going to die, right? Amen. Every one of us fight tooth and nail to stay alive. Every time we get something wrong with us, we want to find a cure get back on track and get better and stronger and move forward and live longer, right? Now, Jesus wasn't in any hurry to live any longer than God left him here to live. Amen. You might think there's nothing humble about dying. 
because we're all going to die. But in Jesus' case, if you was in Sunday school, he died on a cross. And that makes a difference. Amen? He didn't die of cancer. He didn't die of any kind of disease or starvation. He died the kind of death that is horrific, humiliating, the most painful style of death that the Romans could produce, and that's crucifixion on the cross. It not only was horrifying as far as pain, but it was humiliating because they did it to him naked. Did you know that? Brother Steve brought that out in Sunday school. He didn't know that was in my notes. They stripped him of their clothes first, then hung him on the cross so everybody could laugh at him as they walked by. They came into this world with nothing, and they're leaving with nothing. Amen? That's what a lot of them would say. Amen. So the embarrassment of all of that that walked by, and the scripture says they wagged their heads. <sighs> you know? And in the uh, mindset of that was just that he was another thief or another criminal they were getting rid of. That's what crucifixion stood for in the day and time when Jesus went to the cross. They didn't just crucify somebody because he had a bad attitude. They didn't even crucify him because he was, if you want to say, helpless or couldn't be of any use in society. They let the lepers live. They let the cripples live. They didn't, it wasn't a way of euthanizing somebody. It was a way of getting rid of criminals, murderers, and thieves, and those that started riots. That's why Barabbas was scheduled to be crucified, and they turned him loose so they'd have a cross for Jesus. Amen? He was God's only begotten son, and he was sacrificing his life on that cross for your and my payment for sin. To me, that sounds like love, unity, and humility. Now, since Jesus bore our shame on that cross, verse 9, leaving it in context, says, wherefore. Uh-oh. Another study word. Amen. Wherefore, God highly exalted him and give him a name above all names. What are some of them? Well, he called him Redeemer, Savior, Christ, Lord. Right even in this particular context he's written, those names will appear, some of them. So since Jesus has achieved and fulfilled the will of God, our reaction should be like it is in verse number 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, humility should motivate us to bow. Amen? Amen, that's what he says. That every knee, every face, every heart, every head, every spirit should bow when you come in contact with Jesus. Amen? But in our society, most of the times you hear the name Jesus, it's usually in the form of a cuss word. Amen? 
That's not what God designed this to be. But we need to do our best as a Christian to emulate, to copy, to be more of the love, unity, and humility that Jesus was and that he wants us to be. He even goes on there to say in verse 10 that we should bow of things in heaven. There's three of them, remember. Things in earth and things under earth. What are those? Well, heaven, that's our spiritual side. Amen? Because we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And then our earth is, we're just made out of dirt. That's just our flesh. You know what? You need to humble your flesh just as much as you need to humble your spirit. And then what's under the earth, that's our eternal part. That's our soul. So he covers all three bases, if you would, there, because we are made up of three things, body, soul, and spirit. And all of them need to be in subjection to Jesus Christ that we might have the love, unity, and humility God wants us to have. And don't be afraid to tell somebody you found some of that. Did you know that? Because he says that in verse 11, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's the title that God gave him. Amen? Amen. That's why Jesus did it. It's for the glory of God and the Father. So, we finally made it to verse 12. Let's wrap it up with another wherefore. Again, based on the context. He says, My beloved, as ye have always obeyed, as you Christians have walked as good as you can, amen, not in my presence only. See, it's not what you do at church that matters. It's what you do wherever you go that matters, is Paul saying to them. And he wants them to know uh, what you are for God, you are everywhere you do go. Amen? No matter who's watching, no matter who's not watching. Amen? You need to be the same Christian you are in the world that you are in church. And he says it this way, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? So what are we going to do? Does that mean we got to be scared to death all the time? No, it's not a fear of uh, God's going to hit us over the head with a club if we don't straighten up. Amen? you got to work out your salvation as if it's the most important part of everything you do. Amen? Because it is. Amen? You know, there are others that are counting on you. Amen? You know that? I had a guy call me yesterday. He said, I don't remember your name. I just know you're a pastor. Huh? So, pastor, I need help with my mower. <laughs> Amen? Well, no, I don't know whether he knows my name or not. That's not important. I just want him to know where I stand and how I live. Others are counting on you to display the trophies that Jesus gave us to display. Love, unity, and humility. Amen. And remember, I've always said, there are two kinds of Christians. The humble and those that are going to be humbled. 
Have you ever heard me say that before? If you have, raise your hand. Oh, the rest of you are asleep. Okay, that's all right. If you repeat that line to somebody, if you say to them, I believe there's two kinds of Christians, the humble and those that are going to be humbled. Watch their reaction. Look them straight in the eye when you say it. It will take them off guard. They've never heard that before. They don't know what that really means, and it's mauling around against those mothballs up inside their ears there, and it's trying to make some sense out of that, and they're trying to come to grips with it, and then when it finally happens, you'll see the smile come on their face and that's true. Amen. Amen. So tell others about it. Watch them, how they process that. But in America in 2022, humility is not the highest prize trophy you can gain for the society we live in. But for a Christian, the humble trophy is the one of the highest honors you can have. Amen? It sure is. It'll motivate you uh, in a lot of things that God wants you to be motivated in. The next time you walk down the red carpet and are given the humble trophy, wear that badge with honor and give God the glory for it and we'll want you to understand that if you let God have control of your life in those three areas, you'll be more what Jesus Christ desires for you to be. So now, what three things will Pastor Dude be remembered for? Well, he taught you four study words, didn't he? Number two, he taught you that there's two kinds of Christians, did he? And number three, it's what we always finish with. Remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. Let us stand.